Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Masters, Masters. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. We roll right along in hour number two now at 11 minutes past 10. A little late getting started here. We were a little long there with Keith Faber, uh, the Ohio Auditor of State from uh, Salina, his hometown, which, of course, was uh, ravaged by uh, our tornado on Memorial Day. So thank you so once again for that update. We also spoke last hour with Congressman Jim Jordan. And uh, coming up later this hour, uh, Ohio Senate candidate Melissa Atkinson is going to be joining us. Uh, she has been fighting a very, very tough fight that has um, taken a very strong personal toll on her and the other members of that fight, including Ohio Value voters. Uh, but they have won at least this round in a very important fight regarding the education of and the protection of children. And I'm going to let her explain the details of that story coming up at 1035. So she will be calling in to join us at that time. So for this half hour, we do have some open phone lines, although I do have some information I want to share and some uh, ground I want to cover with you. But open phone lines now until 1030, and that is 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. You can also tweet to me or Facebook comment to me at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z, France Radio, on Twitter and on Facebook. Now, <clears throat> yesterday, the uh, Supreme Court um, decided essentially to punt on a very important provision of an Indiana law that was passed and then blocked, passed by and signed by, rather, uh, former Indiana Governor Mike Pence, now, of course, Vice President of the United States. That law uh, restricting abortion, essentially outlawing abortion based on a fetus's race or sex or a disability, that uh, law was blocked by a judge. It made its way through, as it often does, to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court essentially punted on that uh, particular matter, declining to hear it. Uh, but they did make a statement about the value of life in one regard, the Indiana Supreme Court, or excuse me, the uh, Supreme Court did regarding this Indiana law. 
And that is a state measure that requires fetal remains, in other words, uh, dismembered babies, to be buried or cremated so that they are not treated like medical waste. It is, in some ways, the Supreme Court uh, is identifying, accepting, and declaring personhood upon the baby that is destroyed via abortion. It, it literally is saying that personhood is, is in effect here. It exists, which could mean, could, mind you, that a Roe versus Wade challenge would favor the pro-life cause. Simply acknowledging that dead babies should be buried is an acknowledgement of their personhood. We don't bury medical waste. We bury human beings. So that's kind of important. But they declined to review a lower court's uh, decision overturning a law restricting when and why an abortion should be performed, particularly as it pertains to, as I said, sex, race, or disability. Which brings us to what I teased in the first hour of the program, and I want to share with you now. Not the full 12 pages, because I can't read all of that to you on a radio show, but a summary of the 12 pages that Justice Clarence Thomas wrote about this issue, equating correctly abortion and racist eugenics. Eugenicists have been, let's put it to you this way, the, the mother of modern eugenics the mother of Planned Parenthood. And I use that term mother uh, loosely because I'm sure she would hate the term mother, Margaret Sanger. She doesn't like the idea of of women being moms. She likes the idea of women executing their babies so they don't have to become moms. But at any rate, Justice Clarence Thomas brought forth in in powerful words, uh, 12 pages of them, the truth about race and eugenics and the current ongoing battle over abortion, and how disproportionately it impacts black America. And Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas is 100% right. Let me read to you this summary from The Federalist. I can't, like I said, give you all 12 pages of Clarence Thomas's words, but this is a pretty good summary among those that I've read. Supreme Court on Tuesday upheld part of an Indiana law requiring aborted infants to be cremated or buried after an abortion. However... They sidestepped a larger ruling on abortion by deciding not to weigh in on whether a child can be aborted for their race, sex, or disability. Judge Clarence Thomas wrote a concurring opinion in which he addressed the pro-abortion, or pro-death, movement's well-known history with eugenics. And how the court's decision not to rule on the Indiana statute leaves an open question as to whether eugenic abortions are protected by the Constitution. The Indiana law in question, enacted in 2016 by former Governor Mike Pence, included a provision stating, quote, Indiana does not allow a fetus to be aborted solely because of the fetus's race, color, national origin, ancestry, sex, or diagnosis or potential diagnosis of the fetus having Down syndrome or any other disability, end quote. These characteristics of an infant can be uh, known early on in a pregnancy. Blood tests can now predict a baby's sex at seven weeks. The law is intended to prevent mothers and abortion providers from using abortion as a tool of modern-day eugenics, as Thomas writes. Quote, so long as the Supreme Court forces a policy of unfettered elective abortion on the entire country, it ought to at least allow for states to protect babies from unjust discrimination, he said. That's an end quote there, or end quote rather. That's from Clarence Thomas. 
His argument is twofold. First, embracing abortion for the sake of eugenics was an endorsed practice and long-held belief of early 20th century progressive leaders. Second, with the development of more uh, accurate prenatal tests, aborting children with unwanted characteristics is a modern threat disguised as reproductive health services. Indeed, 21st century progressives often engage in a revisionist history of their early 20th century counterparts' embrace of eugenics. But Justice Thomas recounts the lengthy history Planned Parenthood founder Margaret Sanger had with the practice of population control. In 1921, Sanger wrote that, quote, the unbalance between the birth rate of the unfit and the fit is admittedly the greatest present menace to civilization. And that the most urgent problem today is how to limit and discourage the overfertility of the mentally and phys- physically defective. End quote. Now I'm going to pause here to let that sink in a little bit. This is the viewpoint of the founder of current modern-day Planned Parenthood, the Butchers, who continue to murder babies at an astronomical rate that is really hard for the, the average American mind to, to comprehend. She started out by saying we will murder or stop the births of the unfit. Now, it doesn't matter who gets to decide what is, you know, what child is fit and what, what child is unfit or what parent is fit and what parent is unfit to have children. The fact that she and they believe somebody should be that decider. Somebody should be the arbiter of fitness versus unfitness for life. Tells you all you need to know about the party of death. The party of death, the Democrat Party, supports the federal funding of Planned Parenthood, which was born, pardon that pun, but which was born of eugenicist racist Margaret Sanger. And Justice Clarence Thomas is pointing that out now. Sanger was a featured guest of the KKK and a proponent of the forced sterilization program of the Nazi regime of the 1930s. She deemed the population of black Americans to be degenerate and defective. Her words. And her clinics targeted black and immigrant communities like Central Harlem in New York City. Now pause the Federalist story here about Clarence Thomas's words. But just a reminder that virtually every Planned Parenthood clinic in America was, was strategically located within walking distance of America's poorest neighborhoods. In other words, so that the poorest Neighborhoods, which are um, predominantly minority, disproportionately African-American, can have easy access to have their unfit babies terminated. That was the goal here. It was racist in its beginning. And African-American Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas wants the world to remember this. Or maybe for some, learn it for the first time. Alan Guttmacher, president of Planned Parenthood in the 60s and early 70s, who explicitly endorsed eugenic reasons for abortion, 
is also included in Thomas's opinion. Guttmacher wrote that, quote, it should be permissible to abort any pregnancy in which there is a strong probability of an abnormal or malformed infant, end quote. The racist work of Planned Parenthood today is built on the foundational beliefs of their predecessors, Sanger and Guttmacher. 78% of Planned Parenthood clinics, oh, here's a st- I just gave you a stat. I just gave you a stat that I didn't even know was included in this. My apologies for the redundancy. But 78% of Planned Parenthood clinics are located in minority communities. Blacks make up 12.1% of the U.S. population, but 35% of the country's abortions. Think about that. That's Margaret Sanger's dream. Less black people in this country. Less black people in this world. Let's build clinics where they can abort their babies before they pollute the rest of the country. we got to get rid of black babies. And what's so ironic about this, when we talk about the abortion fight in the United States, and when we defend life, we are pro-life, we are accused by idiots on the left, and I'm sorry for not coming up with a better word here, but by absolute idiots, we're accused of racism because we're robbing black women of the choice that they have to kill their babies. We're trying to save the lives of black babies. They represent 35% of the country's abortions, despite black uh, Americans making up only 12% of the population, and that's the whole population. That's not just women. Let's assume 50-50, because that's all I've got to go on here. But black women would make up then roughly 6% of the U.S. population. And they are responsible for 35% of the country's abortions. That is a black genocide. And those of us who are trying to fight to save those black lives are the ones who are called racist. By idiots, including some in the Ohio House of Representatives who said this was a racist attack. Uh, when the heartbeat bill was passed in the state of Ohio. I've got more on this from Justice Clarence Thomas. I'll finish up right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it's 1028, short segment here. I just want to finish a few of the lines. By the way, I mentioned the uh, representative in uh, the Ohio House, (laughs) who uh, wanted an amendment to the heartbeat bill that we passed and was signed by Governor DeWine this spring. She wanted an amendment accepting, E-X-C-E-P-T, not accepting, but accepting, exempting, rather, uh, black women from the heartbeat law, saying they should be allowed to kill their babies if they want to because they were once slaves. Kid you not. She literally said that that should happen. You talk about self-defeating I, I don't understand this again margaret sanger would say thank you uh african-american woman for trying to kill more african-american babies you're making my job easier uh i say this of course not in jest i say that because that's what uh um supreme supreme court justice clarence thomas was reminding everybody about the racist work of planned parenthood it's built on a foundational belief um that I mentioned Sanger and Guttmacher had that some were fit and some were unfit for birth, and particularly blacks. They wanted blacks to be aborted at a higher rate because, again, they were, they were part of the weeds of society. Now, other modern eugenics or uses of eugenics are rising around the world. In Iceland, nearly 100% of women who receive positive prenatal tests for Down syndrome abort their children. In the U.S., around 67% of women who find out their child will be born with Down syndrome opt to have an abortion. And in the U.K., it's around 90%. That's eugenics. 
In India and China, millions of female babies are aborted every year just because of their sex. The Invisible Girl Project estimates that 5 to 7 million sex-selective abortions are performed in India every year. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas concludes that the increased use of eugenic abortions is exactly why Indiana passed their law protecting the unborn from discrimination and exactly why the Supreme Court cannot ignore a ruling on the subject for much longer. Quote, enshrining a constitutional right to an abortion based solely on the race, sex, or disability of an unborn child, as Planned Parenthood advocates, would constitutionalize the views of the 20th century eugenics movement, writes Clarence Thomas. In other contexts, the court has been zealous in vindicating the rights of people, even potentially subjected to race, sex, and disability discrimination, end quote, but not for that of the unborn. Thank you, Justice Thomas, for your clarity, for your wisdom, for your brilliance, and for your exposure of the leftist movement, the leftist support of Planned Parenthood as the racist eugenics movement that it truly is. We've got 1031 right now. Let's get news. Melissa Atkinson, candidate for state Senate, next right here on A. Ten thirty-five. as we continue on AM 1420, the answer. Good morning to you. A little reminder, if you did not hear Hugh Hewitt this morning, let you know. I will let you know that you'll have bonus France hours tomorrow. I'll be sitting in for Hugh on his program as he uh, kind of continues to come back from uh, a little laryngitis, whatever it is that's causing his uh, vocal problems. So uh, I've been asked to sit in. I will answer the call. So tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. sharp, you can uh, catch me on the Hugh Hewitt program before our regular time together on the Bob France Authority. Uh, Melissa Atkinson is a candidate for Ohio State Senate, and she has been working like she is already in the Ohio State Senate. She has seriously been tireless in her advocacy for Ohio's children, for protecting them from, quite frankly, deviancy and some dangerous things that children ought not be exposed to. Uh, it's something that I would hope are literally, I would hope our, uh, our sitting uh, elected officials in the Ohio General Assembly would have done something about, but so far they haven't done anything. Melissa has. She's working closely with members of Ohio Value Voters and other organizations to try to stop this uh, dangerous situation involving kids, and I'm not going to tell you the story. I'm going to let her tell you the story. Melissa Atkinson joins us once again on AM 1420, The Answer. Melissa, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing really well. This is a good day for everybody. Thanks be to God, we were able to shut down uh, an event that had absolutely no business being funded by the Ohio taxpayer uh, or using our taxpayer-funded resources, which happened to be our pl- public libraries. Uh, received a call about a week and a half ago from a pastor in Fairfield County. Now, if you'll remember, Fairfield County was the county that you reported on with me. You were very, you were a huge part of shutting this down. That's where we uncovered the drag boy dancing ring, where a prepubescent child was dancing for adults in nightclubs wearing scantily clad girls' clothing. He was nine years old, receiving cash tips shoved down his outfits. And you and I worked in the wee hours of the morning, too. Yes, yes, of course. Well, to, to the roar of, of drunken adults falling all over the place. And uh, you and I, were we, we uncovered that with Ohio Value Voters and Chuck Douglas and Tom Rotten. And thank God for the radio, because that's really all you can trust anymore when it comes to uh, accurate reporting and media. So I get a call from Fairfield County Pastor, reaches out to me, and he says, Melissa, we have a problem. 
We have a summer reading series program in the Delaware County Library, and it will be featuring Drag 101, specifically targeting teens ages 12 to 19, where they have a former Miss Gay Ohio coming in to teach the art of drag. And I said, well, wait a minute. The summer reading series, like you're actually reading books. I said, you know, especially for a group 12 to 17, why are we now bringing in and ushering in people to teach them how to to cross-dress and the art of drag? I guess art is very subjective these days. So you know Well, me. regardless of what one considers art, how is that reading? What does that have to do with the readings? I mean, seriously. I mean, I, I'm failing to understand that part of this, but please continue. Well, Bob, you know, I, I couldn't make the connection. So I, I contacted the library director, had a lengthy conversation with him, told him that he was on a recorded line, and that's when he told me that this program was also about children being able to connect with their sexual curiosity. And I said, wait a minute. I said, you are targeting a group of children ages 12 to 17 at a very impressionable and formidable age. Exactly. You are bringing someone else in who is dressed as the opposite sex to teach them things. And now you're telling me this is a way that they can get in touch with their sexuality. I said, I tell you what, uh, here's what I want you to do. I know some exotic dancers, both men and women, but in this case, we're going to focus on the women. I want to bring pole dancers in and I would like children who have an interest in the exotic dance industry to have the opportunity to ask questions and learn the art of pole dancing. Because, again, it's subjective. Many people see that as art. And he says, well, no, absolutely not. I'm going to do that. I'll say, I'll do you one better. Let me go ahead. I said, my my husband and I are gun enthusiasts. I'd like to bring in some guns, and I want to get kids trained up and, and understand how to protect themselves. Well, no, we can't do something like that either. I said, all right, how about this? Post abortive women. Let's bring them in. I'd like to hear so they can hear their stories and we can talk about the horrors of abortion to children ages 12 to 17. Well, that wouldn't be appropriate. I said, let me tell you what you're doing. You are taking your own personal political ideals and radical agendas. You're using the school systems because by this point, I found out that parents were having their children, elementary children, bringing pamphlets home, advertising the art of drag 101. I said, you're using the school systems and you're using the public libraries, all funded by the taxpayers, to to have programs that aren't necessary for children. So he says to me, well, let me tell you something, Mrs. Atkinson. Bugs Bunny is a form of transgenderism and is a form of drag. And I just had to stop and I said, are you stupid or are you just pretending to be? A cartoon is not real world. Bugs Bunny used trickery and, yes, sometimes women's outfits to fool his adversaries, but that's not a representation of drag or cross-dressing. That is a child's cartoon. I was going to say, it's also not reality. It's a cartoon. It's a rabbit. Rabbits also don't talk, for crying out loud. I mean, what are they trying to do here? They're trying to equate fantasy uh, in entertainment, such as animated uh, uh, talking animals, and trying to say that's the same thing as exposing children to actual real people who are cross-dressing and who are uh, trying to teach children that they're not what they biologically, what their biology and what their, uh, their anatomy says they are. This is... This is, I mean, I, I wish you were making this up. This almost sounds like an onion story. 
No, I'm not making it up. And so, you know, being the person that I am, you know, I work with the Protect Ohio Children's Coalition, Ohio Value Voters. You know, I get around when it comes to working on these types of issues. And so I decided I got in touch with the state senator over this particular district. He immediately started looking at funding sources. And the critical piece of this is if we were to allow this to happen in that particular library, then it's going to be a statewide initiative and our tax dollars are funding this. Then I took it a step further. I said, tell me this, sir. I'm a big brother, big sister, T-ball coach, owned a home health care company. I'm fingerprinted, BCI background checked. I've been able to go in and out of the White House. What type of background checks did you do on these individuals? Because we've had some folks recently busted for pedophilia who were teaching drag story hour. Complete silence. And I said, you screwed up, didn't you? You didn't even do background checks on these individuals. Not only are you picking and choosing who comes into the library to get access wow. to our kids without adults being, being there and present, you didn't background check them. No, ma'am, I, I did not. And so I went a little bit further and did some research where I found a 2016 video that was brought to me over the weekend of the library director, Mr. George Needham, presenting to groups of individuals where he's using uh, concepts of Darwinism and talking about using the public library systems to get non-traditional topics into the library. So this guy's had an agenda for quite some time. So I started producing information on social media, rallying the troops, calling folks, and I found a woman who became very close to to me during this. She's actually a Muslim woman who lives in Delaware. She showed up that night to protest the event, and she says, well, the Democrats certainly love the Muslims when it comes time for voting, but when I was objecting, saying this isn't appropriate for children, people were treating her terribly when she was standing up to protest at the library board event. So essentially, we just formulated teams and coalitions and between Ohio Value Voters and myself and Linda Harvey worked the phones until 2 and 3 in the morning. And yesterday, I was able to get in touch with an attorney who had to go after George Needham two years ago at the library for posting pornographic material in the children's section. So we shut this down. I've had death threats again. Um, I mean, this is this is the world that we live in, a constant state of exhaustion to do the right thing. Let me let me interrupt for a second. Uh, Melissa Atkinson is my guest. She is uh, a candidate for Ohio State Senate. And if you are not, if you're questioning whether or not she um, has the chops for the job, <laughs> uh, just listen to this story as she is telling it. She is working harder than I think anybody in Columbus could be in protecting our kids right now. And I do that not to impugn anybody else, but just to prop up what Melissa is doing. So when you say that you got an attorney yesterday and you got this shut down, what does shut down mean? Is there a temporary suspension of their plans? No, Are they going it to quote-unquote reconsider? What are we talking about? Nope, it's going to be shut down. It's not going to be happening at the library. Apparently they are looking for an alternative source. This made national news, and I've been doing news and press for the last week about this. Mm-hmm. I, of course, have been painted as a homophobic bigot uh, for shutting this down. But I think George Needham... I would imagine he was probably a little bit nervous when that 2016 video resurfaced um, of him specifically talking about using the libraries and how he called it change management was his presentation, how to get people to accept concepts that they aren't comfortable with. Um, I think that probably scared him. But according to the drag queen, who I talked to, Bob, I had an hour and a half conversation on the phone with this person. And I said, listen, ma'am. 
I don't hate you. I'm not afraid of you. I'm sorry if you're feeling threatened. I've already received death threats. I carry a gun everywhere I go. I'm a, you know, a very strong supporter of the Second Amendment. I'm so unafraid of you that I would teach you how to shoot and help you get your concealed carry. This isn't about hating you. This is about telling you that those of us with children across the state of Ohio don't want a precedent created, and we don't want these types of courses into our public libraries where we're picking and choosing what's acceptable, and you have folks who are of different political affiliations making choices based on that. Um, but still, I'm the hateful one. I'm the bigot. I'm nasty. I received a, a man said, I'm gay, I'm dying, and I'm ready to be a martyr with you. Um, and pseudo-famous, another one, I'd love to see more holes in the back of your head. I mean, this is, this is the Love Trump's hate group, Bob. Of course it is. Yeah, they're the ones. They're the ones who call us intolerant, et cetera, et cetera, and they refuse. You know what, what's so frustrating about this, Melissa? Again, it's just the safety aspect for the children. I know that's what uh, drives you and the Ohio Valley voters and everybody else who's been a part of this. You know, children are not supposed to be indoctrinated and and to have their minds changed about what sex they are or what sex they want to be or what sex they can pretend to be by teaching them cross dressing. Children are taught that you are what you are. You are a boy. You are a girl. Biology says. So anatomy says so, your chromosome says say so. The fact that some, when they get older as teenagers or adults, start to have psychological issues with their physical anatomy, and that's what these are, you know, gender dysphoria and, and a, 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 a mental unwillingness to accept what your body says that you are, etc., psychological disorders that can be treated and that can be uh, discussed through therapy and so on and so forth. They're trying to implant these things in the minds of the young kids so that they actually will be you know, uh, encouraged to pursue or to look into these things as, hey, this is normal. If I want to be a girl, I can be a girl. If I want to be a boy, I can be a It's not normal. It is the opposite of normal. It, it is literally, and I, and I know they hate this term, and that's why I get called the same things you do, it is an abnormality for somebody who is a biological male to think he is or is a female, and they're trying to encourage children to think of this before they can even, you know, begin to grow up and, and, and understand what, what biology is all about. I'm sorry to, to uh, filibuster there, but go ahead, Melissa, final thought. You didn't filibuster. You just kicked a ton of facts that the public needs to hear and needs to accept because that's the way that it goes. And I'm telling you this. I was on the phone with Diane until late last night, you know, she and I are our partners, you know, we do this all day long to, to fight back mm-hmm. and, and Linda Hart and folks like that. But do you know who really were the, the MVPs in this? It was the mama bears. The moms came out swinging like men on this and we were not going to stand down. And here's the problem. And I talked about it in church on Sunday. I said, the feminist movement has beat you men down so badly that you're afraid to take that stance of standing up and, and swinging back and swinging back hard, uh, metaphorically of, you know, speaking, of course, because you've been told you don't have a say, you're a man, you can't. And so for this particular situation, when you showed up for most of these meetings, there were some men there, but we've got a real deficiency there. And we need more. When people said, what do we need? I said, I tell you what I need. I'm five foot two. I weigh about 125 pounds. I need some good, strong men behind me. And let's lead this charge and make something happen here. You have a voice. They're your children, just like they are mine. Mm-hmm. 
And you know what? Uh, they answered. And I'm so glad to hear that these, these, uh, these mama bears anyway answered. If not the big, uh, daddy bears, uh, the mama bears did. You guys did some incredible work. I'm sure the fight is not over because you know how this movement is. You know what they're going to do. They've already, again, you pointed out, threatened you with death and so many other things. Uh, you don't think they're just going to take this loss, uh, lying down. They are going to come back and try to say we're going to move it to here, to there, or wherever they can, uh, to try to advance their cause and to, um, indoctrinate more young, impressionable children into this uh, lifestyle that they have chosen for themselves. So uh, the fight goes on. This is a great victory. Congratulations for stopping this library plan. Uh, you and everyone else who worked so hard on this, but I, I know there are more fights to come, and I know you'll be there to fight them, and we hope that you'll be there to fight them in the Ohio Senate. Uh, Melissa, real quick, um, how's the campaign coming along? campaign is doing very well. Our fundraising is going very well. It's amazing how many people saw the missed opportunity with the U.S. Senate race to have a, a you know, a beast in there fighting for them. So money has been very, very, uh, very good this time around. And the folks in Marion, Morrow, Crawford, Sandusky, Union, Seneca counties, and Wyandotte, they are pulling together those tea parties and hosting fundraisers. And I mean, people are excited. The, my, my opposition or my, my opponent is a, you know, a stately gentleman uh, of retirement age. And let me tell you, you better have energy like mine to be able to get the work done in this general assembly that needs to happen. It's no offense towards him, but I want a machine in there. I, I don't want someone ready to slide into their retirement role. That's exactly how I feel about it. That's what I was trying to say before. I'm not trying to disparage anybody who's currently sitting in Columbus and working in the General Assembly in either house of the legislature, but we do need somebody who is going to put in the kind of work you are. If you're willing to do it now when you're not even in office, I can only imagine what you do when you have a little bit of authority and power behind your name. Uh, if you want to support Melissa Atkinson, how do they do that? Well, we obviously, contributions and donations are critically important, and we thank and, and appreciate everything that's come through. You can find me at Ackeson for Ohio, and that's A-C-K-I-S-O-N for Ohio.com. Come visit me on Facebook. I try to interact as much as possible. It's tough on the campaign trail, but I do get on a couple times a day, and that's Melissa Ackeson for Senate. Again, A-C-K-I-S-O-N. I'm glad you spelled that. People have asked me about you before, and they think it's Atkinson, which is a common name. It's there's no N in the middle of it. It's Atkinson. Only the N is at the end. Atkinson for Atkinson for Ohio uh, is where you want to go. Uh, Melissa, thank you so much. Great, uh, great work. Congratulations on getting this victory, and uh, let us know when the next fight is ready to be held. Okay. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. God bless. You, you got it. Thank you. Melissa Atkinson. Uh, ah, see, I did it again. I said Atkinson because I know people with the name of Atkinson. George Atkinson, a longtime uh, Oakland Raider, is a friend of mine. Uh, but no, it's not Atkinson. It's Atkinson. A-C-K-I-S-O-N. All right. It's 1052. We'll uh, come right back with our final segment right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob France here on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten fifty-five. As we uh, get ready to wrap it up on AM fourteen twenty, the answer for this Wednesday. Don't forget, though, stay where you are because Mike Gallagher is going to take you until noon. Then Prager is going to educate you until three. Then Doctor Gorka continues the education until Jay Seculo at six. Larry Elder at seven. Education kind of stops then, but you can uh, still tune in for the uh, insanity of it all if you wish. Um. 
I want to finish today with a little bit of a local story. Because it's just so Cuyahoga County of the Cuyahoga County Council to do this. Did you see the story yesterday? Cuyahoga County Council. Because there's nothing else they have to concern themselves with, right? There's nothing else they have to worry about. There's no, uh, there's no opiate crisis in Cuyahoga County. There's no corruption concerns. There's no uh, extraordinarily high murder rate in the city of Cleveland, which of course is, is Cuyahoga County. Uh, they have time, since there's nothing else going on, to regulate your bags. Cuyahoga County Council banned single-use plastic bags, you know, the kind that you get at every grocery store you shop at, with an 8-3 to party-line vote last night, requiring businesses to offer reusable or paper bags to retail customers. Do you? I'm old enough to remember when they told us, we can't have paper grocery bags anymore because we're killing too many trees. <laughs> paper is come, comes from trees. We can't do that. we got to find a better way. We came up with plastic bags, and now here we are, 25 years later. Oh, you can't use those bags. Let's go back to killing trees. These people are idiots. Eight Democrats on the Cuyahoga County Council voted for this. Three Republicans voted against it, as you can imagine. Democratic Councilwoman Sonny Simon, who sponsored the measure, said, We're not going to solve the entire plastic pollution problem by banning plastic bags. However, it's a huge start, and it's going to make a big difference. A, no, it's not. B, you're you're hurting your your constituents, Cuyahoga County consumers, who reuse those bags all the time. I'm on Facebook right now reading people saying, thanks a lot for taking away my dog do bags. Because people follow their dogs in their neighborhoods. When their dogs do their business, they use those bags to clean them up. These bags are reused. They are our cat litter bags in our house. When we scoop out the dirty cat litter, we put them in those bags, we seal them up, we throw them away. These bags are used all the time for multiple purposes. And, and all you're doing is hurting your constituents. Jack Schron, one of the Republicans who voted against the ban, said many people already reuse them, as I just described, also to line trash cans. That's another use. They become trash bags. Now we're going to have to use far more plastic, as in the full-size 13-gallon plastic bags that we have in our trash cans, to follow behind our pets, to use for, our, uh, for cat litter and other purposes. We're going to have to use more plastic with the bigger, thicker bags since you're going to ban the small, thin bags we're already using. So congratulations, ignorant Democrats on Cuyahoga County Council. How very Cuyahoga of you. Way to screw things up for everybody while solving no problems whatsoever. That's where we're going to leave it today. Stay where you are. Mike Gallagher is coming up next. Appreciate you being a part of the conversation. Dr. Everett Piper and Peter Kersenow, both on tomorrow's show. So make sure you tune in for that one. And also, don't forget, I'll be in for Hugh Hewitt at 6 a.m., Take a listen then. Have yourself a great day. Bye-bye.